0: Hello and welcome to Media oh. Made, the show in which we, year by year, explore the movies, music, and TV that most evaded our lives. I'm your host, the Yitse Stan, Rod, and I'm joined by... A professional deadbeat, Jess. Woo! Woo! Welcome, and uh, hi, this is MediaMade. If this is your first show with us, uh, what we do here is we have decided to look through a list of every music album released in the year of 1999, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and deci- mm-hmm. decided which one of those albums each of us had listened to the most in our lives. Yeah. In essence, the music media that made us. <laughs> so this is, again, this is a music episode, of music of 1989. Um, we also have shows doing movies and TV, but we're doing music today. Yeah. And uh, how did you feel about this year's music in particular?
1: Uh, I I mean, originally, Mm-mm. but I felt good about it now.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, it was. It was just to let you guys know it was quite the mountain to climb to get to where we are today in 1989 music. <laughs> we'll talk all about that in segment two. Yeah, uh,
1: my album. You know, we'll get there.
0: It's easier to decide these things some years than others. Because <laughs> honestly, you think about it. Like sometimes music is released a year, and you you've never you you. There's just a whole, a whole year worth of music that you just know nothing about. Yeah,
1: that's that's very true. Yeah,
0: it's kind of the same with uh,
1: definitely this year. TV shows
0: also we have that problem sometimes, especially in the '80s. You know, it's just like, man, we narrowly squeezed by with that one TV show. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, I've seen two episodes of this show, so it counts. Yeah, I suppose. But anyway, um, so I guess it's, I guess we're just gonna jump right in. Yeah so
1: you caught me on off guard the first i was just like oh we don't have a theme song
0: <laughs> no theme song we do have a theme song we do but you, i you're thought you're gonna play a, it
1: first so yeah, for but, uh, for me but no no
0: we're we're good no our, our theme song is a sonic song sonic adventure one <laughs> if you were curious hey where did that music where's that bopping music coming from <laughs> it's from sonic adventure one
1: bopping music
0: on the dreamcast
1: i love you so much oh yeah oh yeah
0: Alright let's jump in my, my, my album 1989 This is the album I've listened to the most in my life From 1989 <laughs> Released October 6, 1989 Their debut album And the beginning of a progressive metal dynasty We have When Dream and Day Unite By Dream Theater <laughs> Listen how triumphant that sounds We made it guys All right, so here's the dirty secret. Dream Theater is my favorite band ever.
1: I'm sorry, was that a secret?
0: No, it, it is to most people. <laughs> yes, my, my favorite band of all time. So, Oh, so you'll be seeing them. You'll be hearing them in oh, your ear holes. <laughs> I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. I ho- if you haven't heard of Dream Theater, I think by the end of this show and subsequent shows, you might say you'll be an expert. <laughs> like me. <laughs>
1: But not like me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so um, do you want me to jump into my history of Dream Theater? Or do yeah. you want me to? Th- do you want to tell the folks your history with Dream Theater first?
1: My history is very short. <laughs> I married a man, and he made me listen to Dream Theater. <laughs> that's, the,
0: that's it. <laughs> that's my history. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Dream Theater, progressive metal band from the New York area, like many music uh, interests that I've. That I have. Um, my first exposure to Dream Theater was in the video game Rock Band slash Guitar Hero. Uh, but Rock Band and Guitar Hero uh, introduced me to a ton of music. And Dream Theater is no different. So Dream right. Rock Band 2, released in 2008, featured the Dream Theater song uh, Panic Attack. I might have heard the name Dream Theater once before. But uh, I don't think I ever really paid any mind to them. You know, like, you know, you sometimes you hear... The yeah, name of yeah, a band, yeah. you just kind of like let it go. I don't know, but um Dream Theater had a song in Rock Band two. The first time I played that song, I was just like, "This song is incredible. <laughs> this band is incredible. Where can I hear more?" Because that song was Dream Theater likes to take on. They're 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 like a metal band, right? But they always try to take on elements from whatever the popular type of music is at the time. You know, right? You know,
1: just. Yeah, I've seen that in some, in, in some of their.
0: Just take in influences, right? Yeah. Allow, allow them, they've allowed themselves to maintain relevancy by adapting, right? So uh, that song had some muse in it for sure, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, James LeBrie, the singer, was out there trying to sing like the guy from Muse. Um, they had like choir sounds and the keyboard, there's like an epic keyboard solo. And I was like, this is incredible. So it was just a, a lifelong journey of, uh, you know, walking with Dream Theater from there.
1: So what year was that when Rockstar 2 came out that 2008. Year? 2008. Yeah. So you were only like 10 years behind the – 10? 20 years behind the – Yeah, tw-
0: them. I was 20 years – yeah, they, they had tw- – that's the great thing about yeah. it. You, you learn about a band in 2008 and they – Their you know,
1: discography spans two decades. Exactly.
0: So I got two decades of music to catch up on. Um, yeah. And not only that, Dream Theater, they're, the, the musicians are very prolific in that they have – every member has his own solo – like – discography um they all have side projects so you know there's a lot to learn and and there's always something new to discover with dream theater and the members of dream theater (laughs) so yeah it was just like pretty much from like sophomore year of high school until like mid-college I was still collecting dream theater albums and stuff just dream theater stuff (laughs) stuff I've seen them fanboy I've seen them like I think six or seven times in concert
1: okay (laughs) yeah I love dream theater (laughs) I've been to four concerts my entire life, so
0: <laughs> none of them Dream Theater. I, I have not dragged you to a Dream no. Theater concert.
1: Darn that pandemic!
0: Yeah. Um, so the album we're l- listening to today, "When Dream and Day Unite," is their first album, mm-hmm. and uh, this this had to have been like one of the last albums I actually got from them. You know, when in my like initial rush to like listen to all of their albums, this one was. L- not as big a priority as some of their other ones. You know, you go online you say, okay, what are the best or most popular Dream Theater albums? This is not at the top because mm. they were still finding their sound by that this makes sense. point. Yeah, it makes sense. They're all young and they're still learning. <laughs> it um, would
1: be a, quite a thing if your f- best album was your first. Like, you should be topping it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you, you hear about the, the the sophomore slump or the sophomore curse, mm-hmm. right? The second album is always the hardest to make and yeah. also, like, sometimes not as popular as the debut album. Dream Theater actually like subverts that. Their huh. sophomore album is the better one. <laughs> In fact, it's like probably like up there being among the best.
1: Oh, nice. They but, were yeah. like not for us, sirs. Yeah,
0: they hit their stride and ran with it. So anyway, um, let's talk history. Dream Theater. Okay. Again, they are like I think um they're they're a cult band. Amongst people who know of them, they are beloved. Mm-hmm. But for like you know the the music. The casual music fan probably has never heard of Dream Theater or cared to listen. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're under the radar. Yeah, okay. And their music is not like super mainstream, I guess. Okay. Um, no, so, that make, that make yeah, sense. so I got to give people the rundown with these guys. Go ahead. Let's uh. go. Teach me. The group that would become Dream Theater formed in 1985 at Boston's Berkeley College of Music. They were all music students.
2: Uh,
1: at Berkeley.
0: Yeah. So childhood friends John Petrucci, who's the guitar player, and John Myung, who's the bass player, uh, met drummer Mike Portnoy. Uh, and quickly hit it off. So uh, the story goes that they would go and, like, so John Petrucci, John Mayung, the two Johns, they would go and practice in, like, the practice rooms, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. at, at Berkeley Music College. Yeah. Um... So they're they're practicing their their guitars and just jamming and stuff like that. And they can hear in these like the practice room next to them some dude just blasting on the drums. <laughs> like just going all out and they're like, "Who's that guy?" You know.
1: Let's meet him.
0: Right. So they introduced themselves and they all discovered that they all loved the same type of music and had like, you know, just a quick bonding experience, I guess. All were fans of progressive rock acts like Rush and classic metal acts like Iron Maiden. Both
1: bands that you also like.
0: Correct. And uh, Portnoy specifically was into the burgeoning thrash metal scene. So Uh, Metallica, Megadeth. And we've talked about that. Go listen to our 1985 music episode if you want to know more about the thrash metal. Yeah. The group sound would quickly become a combination of these elements. Usually if someone asks me, like, what's Dream Theater like? I say, put Pink Floyd, Metallica, and Rush into a blender. That's what you get. (laughs) So the trio initially named themselves Majesty... Okay. Inspired by the majestic sound of Rush's song Bastille Day. All right. Yeah. So they were named after a Rush, a Rush song. <laughs> and then to fill out the rest of the band, Petrucci recruited two childhood friends Kevin Moore on keyboards and Chris Collins on vocals. All members then dropped out of their respective colleges Ooh. to pursue music.
1: <laughs> I'm sure their families love that. You got into Berkeley and you're dropping out, son?
0: Over my dead body. Yep. We'll talk. That's that uh, mentality or that sentiment. will be. I just. Dis- yeah. We'll, we'll talk about. that. I believe it. Uh, we'll talk about that when we talk about one of the songs. Um, so throughout 1985, 1986, Majesty toured the New York club scene and recorded a collection of demos, which earned them a cult following. So, okay, pretty good. What in the
1: early '80s? You said.
0: Yeah, like '85, '86. Okay. Yeah, mid '80s. Um, Collins left the band in 1986, prompting a year-long search for a new lead singer. Hmm. The job ultimately went to a man named Charlie Dominici. <laughs> Dominici. Charlie Domenici. Um, a relative veteran, about 15 years older than e- everyone else in the band. Oh. Yeah, so he was like the old guy. <laughs> <laughs> Gramps Dominici. Grandpa Domenici.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Papa Domenici. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: shortly thereafter, a different band named Majesty threatened legal action. Oh, so our boys renamed themselves Dream Theater.
1: Nice. After, was was that? Was there a reason? It's,
0: it's named after a movie theater in Portnoy's hometown. Oh, okay. So I guess like Mike Portnoy's dad suggested it, and they're like, eh, okay. it's better than nothing. It's not as good as Majesty." <laughs> hey, you're but, supporting oh, well. us. Yeah. <laughs> and it stuck. That other band, Majesty, Fell lost the history. Oh. <laughs> I haven't I haven't like searched too hard, but like you, you, no one's heard of Majesty. <laughs> So in 1988, the fully formed Dream Theater signed with Mechanic Records and set out to record their debut album. And uh, apparently, the recording process took about three weeks. <laughs> wow! Yeah, it was like they recorded all of their stuff in three weeks, went to mixing, got it out the next year.
1: That okay? Good job, boys. Good job, boys and Grandpa. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that's that's it. That's how we got when in Dream Day when Dream and Day unite. Okay. Very. Quick, easy process. Boys, form a band, drop out of college, make band happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's the story
1: we were all hoping for. Yeah.
0: All right. So I got to kind of ease everyone into the Dream Theater. Like, okay. So I, I'm like, we're going to, I organize these songs in such a way as to like introduce individual elements one by one. Okay. Um, because Dream Theater is progressive rock, progressive metal. Progressive rock and metal are very like layered Yes. Academic. Oh. Technical.
1: Oh, right. Yeah. There's, there's I remember you said there's going to be math involved.
0: Pretension. <laughs> math. All, all all aspects of progressive metal.
1: I'm just going to be in the other room. Let me know when I can come back. Okay,
0: so we're going to actually listen to an instrumental first. Because okay. with progressive music, the, the, the music is just as important as the singing. Yeah. Which is it's like... The lyrics, yeah. Yeah, people... I, it's funny. I always like... When I play someone a song by Dream Theater or another progressive act um, who's, like, really not into that kind of thing, mm-hmm. they always ask, like, when do they start singing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, because usually there's, like, you know, a two-minute intro yep. before the singing starts.
1: Yeah, that's how you know it's progressive. <laughs>
0: yep. So, anyway, here's the first song. It's called It's a Jam. Y- it's a, a Jam. It's a Jam.
1: It's Jam. a Jam.
0: All right. So, start that off. And this is an instrumental. Features, you know, the four musicians of the band: mm-hmm. Petrucci on guitar, Mayung on bass, Portnoy on drums, more on keyboards. So, Yitse Jam. You want to guess on where that came from? <laughs> it's Majesty backwards.
1: <laughs> okay, I I was like, I wanted to say Majesty, but I was like, what? Yeah,
0: it's it's Majesty backwards. So well. it's a. Hey, it's kind of an interesting idea. Yeah. Majesty Backwards has the word jam in it, and that's what they're doing. They're just jamming, jamming that's on their true. guitars, having a good time. So I guess, like, <laughs> early member, like, early fans of the band would call themselves Yitse Jammers.
1: <laughs> huh. That's fun. That is fun.
0: Okay, so, few things to know here. Dream Theater, along with Queensryche and Fate's Warning, were the pioneers of progressive metal, okay? Which combined the traditional metal and thrash metal sounds with key elements of progressive rock. hmm what makes music progressive? Very complicated answer to that question.
1: I was gonna, I was gonna say, they're left-leaning.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is this is not progressive rock as in there's a an equal or, you know, an opposite or equal <laughs> conservative rock out there. No. Um, I mean, but, I mean, conservative rock. Traditional rock,
1: I guess. I was gonna say Nickelback.
0: <laughs> that too, yeah. Mainstream rock like ACDC or Nickelback.
1: Just because they're, like, more yeah. laid back with what they're doing or more by the numbers. I love Nickelback. I know. But,
0: you know. I might bring them up later. <laughs> um, so, okay. Progressive rock and, in turn, progressive metal, metal is typically characterized by technically impressive and complex instrumentation. Mm-hmm. These guys know how to play their instruments and they like to show off. Unusual time signatures, which I'll explain. Long songs. Yes. Yes extended instrumental movements so between chorus and the next verse might be 5 or 6 minutes of just playing music yes and avant-garde sensibilities meaning they like to experiment yes so progressive rock is sometimes used interchangeably or alongside things like art rock, experimental rock or math rock that is a real genre yeah math rock <laughs> because they like they put a lot of value in like the time signatures and the math portion of like music theory, which mm. is like way over my head. <laughs> so with all of that said, for Dream Theater and a lot of progressive bands, the music and instrumentation are just as important than the singing and lyrics, which is why I decided to start us off with a six minute instrumental from this album.
1: Which makes sense. Where is it in the track listing?
0: Uh, It is. It's the third song. Okay. Yeah. So they, they, they didn't start people out with that. At least they gave... Yeah. They started uh, the two um, the the second track is the single, like the okay. first lead single, I believe. So, yeah. They they started off with the two most friendly, <laughs> ra- radio friendly songs, I guess. And then we're like, "All and right. And then guys, like, well, since you're here, yeah, let me sh- let us show off our instruments. <laughs> Do you like this song? Yeah.
1: It's not it, it yeah. <laughs> Can't dance to it?"
0: No. <laughs> But it's, I, I thought it was fun. to Like, I think it's fun to listen to. Yeah, it's fun.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's fun to listen to.
0: Okay, so I had to, like, ask. I had to, like, phone a friend <laughs> and get, an, like, an expert uh, explanation of time signature, right? Right. Because you listen to, like, the way they're playing, especially the drums. Like, the dude is, like, playing a beat that's very unusual, yeah. right? But you can't put your finger on it why it's unusual. It's just, like, it's not your, like, you know, traditional, like, do you know, mm-hmm. beat like you would hear in a pop song, right? So, I recruited a friend of the show named Matt Peterberg. He's got a music degree or he's studying for his music degree. The man knows his music. So, I had to ask him, what is a time signature and what does it mean to have an unusual time signature? So, here's his answer. So, the root of what a time signature is, is to tell a performer how many of a specific type of note fit into a bar of music. They are expressed in fractions. So, Things like four four, three four, six eight, etc. The top number of the fraction refers to the number of notes, and the bottom number refers to the duration of that note. So it's like there's a bar of music that's uh. like a, 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 you know, a, 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 a unit of time is a bar of music, right? right? And so that fraction will cut up that bar of music into like pieces, right? So mm-hmm. like four four, that bar of music has four segments in it, right? Right, right, right,
1: I get And that. then
0: the top number, so if it's 4-4, four, four, you play a note on those four segments of that bar of music, I guess. Okay. Right? I'm following. <laughs> um, and then if it's three, you do three, and you abstain from hitting the note on the fourth beat, I guess, or whatever. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So then I asked him, okay, what does it mean to have an uncommon time signature? So he said, time signatures are considered uncommon if the fractions don't fit evenly into each other. Just like a regular math fraction. Mm. He says, so in six eight, we get a nice lifting feel because we can evenly split six into two groups of three. Right. Right. But if we have seven eight, those seven eighth notes don't decide, don't divide up evenly. Right? Right. Meaning we count two groups of three, then add an extra one more at the end. (laughs) And I had to look it up. The math term for that is an error. Irreducible fraction. Okay. So <laughs> in music theory, if your time signature has is an irreducible fraction, it means it's weird. <laughs> it, and so I guess like this kind of stuff is like normal for um, jazz, right? Y- okay. You've heard that expression, like a jazz is not about the notes you hear, man. It's about the notes you don't hear. You know? I've never heard that. It's about the notes they don't play, bro. Oh,
1: okay, okay, bro. I'm
0: taking a hit. <laughs> A hit off that snare Pa-cha. and so that that's what these guys are doing so these are all like music nerds they're all, they all went to music college before right. they dropped out so they're just like they're just showing off they're just showing off that's all they're doing yeah right? uh, <laughs> there's one portion of the song here I want to play because it is like excellent it's excellent and again this is them showing off hold on a second so right here okay starts out you've got a keyboard solo And this guy's just showing off. He's noodling. He's playing real fast. Well, that's, to me, that's like sexy keyboard, all right? (laughs) I'm like into that.
1: Am I a sexy keyboard?
0: You could be. (laughs) All right. Then that transitions into the guitar solo, right? Once again, it's just the guitar dude just noodling, just showing off. He's like, look how fast I can play. And then it transitions into a bass solo. <laughs> so he's just just rocking out. Every everybody gets the spotlight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Every single musician gets to show off their chops. Listen. And then drum solo. I don't know. I love that.
1: Yeah. No. That's really. It's awesome.
0: Is that it? <laughs> You're not as impressed as I, I, am. I am. Be more impressed. I'm okay, Morty.
1: <laughs> I am very impressed. I think it's really like I, I was thinking of the word. Not creative. It is creative, but that's not the word I'm looking for. Um, it's impressive. Like I am very impressed. I'm very. Imp-
0: <laughs> I'm impressed. She's <laughs> getting defensive. I'm, I'm, impressed. I'm sorry.
1: No, but I think it's like. It's really cool. It's uh, obviously this isn't what I would like normally listen to. And I it, because it's something that's like, I'm, I'm impressed and I can hear the technique in it. And even just the um, selflessness. Well, okay. The very much pride in all that they can do. But yeah. also like, this whole song needs everyone to have a solo. Yeah. Let's go. Uh, and so I'm impressed by the teamwork. I'm impressed by how it all comes together. I'm impressed by all the solos. It just does take me a little bit because, again, this isn't what I normally listen to. And not that I'm waiting for music, for lyrics, because uh, I know there aren't any in this. But it's just like, oh, yeah, that is really impressive.
0: The the thing I like about that, it's like this is the song you like you want to see them play live. Right. Because I feel like you would if if I was in the band. Right. I would expect you got this song called You'd Say Jam and everybody gets a turn. Right. Mm -hmm. To like do something epic. Um, this is the song where it's like t- towards the end maybe even the encore right and it's like the solo comes up you know where everyone starts to starts to take the spotlight right keyboard player goes up he's got the guitar spotlights right on him he takes for center stage he does his thing and then he he walks back then the the, the guitar player walks up and he gets the spotlight on him so everyone just kind of like s- steps out of the spotlight the next guy shows mm-hmm. up you know and that's just how it works. I don't know.
1: Yeah. No, no. I was thinking as well, like also just having like two spotlights and like wherever they are in the section, focusing in on them. And then once it off, it turns off the second spot like, yeah. is on the next person because drums can't walk up. <laughs> I mean, you could put the drums on a roller. Don't do that. You do That's the, what dangerous. those,
0: you know, like the, the marching band guys, you have the big, <laughs> like the drum thing you have on a, like a harness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's Yitsei jam.
1: That's a very good
0: jam. Right. It's a
1: very good jam.
0: Yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> All right, next song we're going to talk about is called Status Seeker.
1: Status Seeker. I
0: alluded to this one earlier. So I'll let you take the lead on this one. I know you looked at the lyrics. <laughs> I
1: don't want to take the lead. Tell, tell like, It's I nerve-wracking. I want to
0: hear your interpretation of the lyrics, at least. Well, like, we've All talked right. enough about music. I've gushed about it. Let's hear some music.
1: Let's hear some lyrical yeah. things. I I will just say, in uh, this is my... Thus far, in all the years that we've done um, for our show, mm-hmm. this is my favorite of your albums. Like, so far. So far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I've enjoyed this one the most, especially lyrically, uh, because I listen to the music and well, the first time we go through it, we listen to the whole album with the lyrics up because there are some albums of yours that I can't hear English words. Because Speaking singer- of English
0: words, let's listen to uh, Papa... Dominici sing for a second because it's probably the first time everyone's here. Not too bad.
1: Yeah. He's got a good voice. Good, good, good voice. solid, good, solid, mature voice. Yeah.
0: <laughs> he does sound like an older man. I can tell. Like now that people bring it up, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> people bring it up. You brought it up. <laughs> I brought it up.
1: Un... <laughs> <laughs> um, I think lyrically, this is uh, this the especially the four songs, the three other songs that we're going to discuss uh, are the most interesting thus Mm -hmm. far. Um, Even in this one, I just there's just a couple of things that I highlighted that uh, I found just it's poetic. I think there are like small lines. like uh, the line that we listened to uh, that you just heard Papa Dominici um, (laughs) sing. It says. The aspiration to drop a name when any rose might smell the same. I like pause. I was like, is that a Shakespeare
0: reference? It sure is.
1: It's excellent. I don't even like Shakespeare, but I like when you reference him elegantly. I feel so. This
0: (laughs) song was co-written by John Petrucci and Charlie Domenici, the two Italians.
1: The hot-blooded I'm, Italians. I, I tell you what, their I th- love. Th- for- I think
0: that Shakespeare reference was Grandpa Papanici. Papanici? Papanici! Charlie Domenici. I think he, that came out of him. I bet that's fair. I think
1: it's beautiful yeah. and succinct. Like you don't have to pull that out. Like that. This is not even like it's not a love song. No. I love. That's the thing that I love the most. Like this is not a song about love at all. And you pulled a reference from Romeo and Juliet, and it works yes uh. Um. so yeah I really like that and then just in general like <sighs> the first word of this song that you hear is heartsick and I'm just like oh where are we going with this <laughs> and that it's like again not about love but heartsick at the sight of the saddest seeker like heartsick like looking at somebody trying too hard and I'm just like mm, yes <laughs> I like what we're doing <laughs>
0: So, um, one, I, like, I know we got, like, I want to present my interpretation of the song. Mm. Um, and then I'll tell, I'll let you know what the band says it's about. Cause I feel like both are correct. It's like uh-huh. with all art, it's all down to the interpretation. Yeah. Of it, right. And as long as you make an, uh, 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 a good case for your interpretation, anything. Can be
1: I think right. it's about pop tarts.
0: <sighs> no, it's not. <laughs>
1: Excuse me. You haven't heard. The I, case. I said you have to
0: make a compelling, compelling case. You didn't
1: let me make my case, but whatever. <laughs> we'll you will do it. Off your off story. <laughs>
0: All right, so a few things. In many ways, progressive rock and progressive metal are the antithesis of pop music, right? We talked about that. They they do too many things that are just unorthodox. Um, And for that reason, they are not as marketable as traditional genres of music, right? Mm -hmm. So you won't normally hear this stuff on the radio. Correct. Therefore, progressive acts typically have an antagonistic relationship with record labels and with record executives. Fair. From my experience, nearly every single progressive band has written a song criticizing their corporate overlords (laughs) and expressing frustration with the music industry. Every single one. Rush has one. I I just like uh, a bunch of progressive bands that I, I like have done that. Right. Right. I think that's what this song is about. Right. It's about them expressing frustration with the people who are just kind of like the people holding them down, mm-hmm. the people holding them back, the people trying to control their style and their approach to things uh, for the sake of money, and the people trying to decide things for them, right? Yeah. Or just like just throwing shade on them, you yeah. Know? For usually with money, when money's involved, right? So a few lyrics that jumped out to me on this, and this leads up to the the chorus, right? So it says, "Nothing is sacred. You draw the bottom line with the dollar sign." Change of opinion at the drop of a dime, <laughs> gracious intrusion. Are you sanctified in your judgment of me? All that I deserve is what you were unable to see, mm-hmm. right? So I mean, like that. These guys are angry about that, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I, I I feel that those words are just very frustrated, yeah. right? So that that's my interpretation, especially that part. It's like change of opinion at the drop of a dime, right?
1: Yeah, which is, it's beautiful yeah. in line with that. I also like read it as that. Mm -hmm. Um, But which is why a different line I'll read right now. It's a combination of two lines, sort of really stuck out to me because in the first verse, uh, it's like the third line. It says, in a sense, I'm not beyond reproach. And then the second verse is in a garden where the seeds were spilled i favored the few that stood strong in the sun as i reached for the profit of my prize i found i had trampled the forgotten ones that at least they're like in some way right because those lines are connected right because for the most part everything is talking about you or them but the lines that are talking about me or I, like, I am not, in the same sense, I am not beyond reproach because I've done something like this too. When I read it, I didn't, I, I was like, I don't think it's necessarily, and because that other line follows the, like, in a sense, I am not beyond reproach, the aspiration uh, to drop a name when any rose might smell the same. So saying, like, sometimes I feel like doing the same uh, the same thing, and I try not to, but I'm not above reproach because there have been times that I have st- trampled on little things to get things that will even bring me profit. And might that might be ideas of your bandmates. That might be songs that you you actually really loved a lot, but like aren't going to make the album or make money or move you to... Like, whatever. Yeah. Like, that we have those levels within us. Like, we can look at the big corporation, and they're doing it far more and kind of viciously, but there are, are places where we do the same. Like, so I enjoyed status seeker for those like components yeah. that it's not just a you guys suck and you are what is wrong with the industry it's like you guys suck and you're what's wrong with the industry unfortunately i'm taking yeah, on some exa- of these
0: we, yeah we have to we have to live in your world unfortunately. Yeah. yeah so it's like we also the band also had to sacrifice their not morals but their their creative pride
1: yeah <laughs> like compromising exactly mm-hmm.
0: that's that's a that's a line isn't it compromise if it is, it's, I didn't in, it's in there. It. <laughs> the word compromises in there, and so the band has said that it's a little bit more abstract than that, or more general. It's mostly a. Frust- they were expressing frustration at the people in their lives who questioned their like motives or questioned their judgment on mm-hmm. their lives. You know, like, hey, we're gonna drop out of music college uh, to pursue this band. You what? Know? Who and, would like, question that? So you know, <laughs> parents, girlfriends. Mm-hmm. Uh, employers were like, that's dumb, <laughs> right? That's unwise. Yeah. And they're like, who cares? Like, this is my life. I'm going to live it, you know. Yeah. Gonna, this is my decision to make. And then when they say, hey, I got a record. De- we, we got a record deal. We're successful. You know, we're on the radio. Oh, that's great. good for you, right? Yeah. And they're just like, that's all it took for you to like completely change your mind. Yeah. Like that's hypocritical. And you know what changed it was the, the money. Yeah. So that's what they said. And I think – Expresses the same idea. Yeah, it's it's all about like people see success as money and in corporate, you know. Yeah, tang- th- tangible.
1: Yeah, I think like as creatives, we I we can both totally relate to this and understand, oh, yeah. right? Like where it's just kind of like, oh yeah, this is what I would like to do with my life. Well, that's not wise. You got to take care. You quit of your, your job so you
0: can work on podcasting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Support us on Patreon. No, I'm kidding.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one
1: day. Maybe someday. And that kind of thing, even like, I I think the thing like sometimes we trample on there, right? Like there's stuff that uh, even when we discuss about like, oh, should we put this on YouTube or how are we going to like, this is a lot of fun, but should we change this so that we can monetize possibly or da, 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 da. And like sometimes even we're like, oh, we've got to (laughs) compromise like this excellent dream of what this piece of art was supposed to be to try to. Uh, put ourselves on the yeah. market in a way and Make- unfortunately
0: that's the conflict of every like progressive or experimental like yeah. not just band but just creative the,
1: right? oh
0: yeah so that's that's a cool song <laughs> it is a cool song <laughs> it's a pretty cool song yeah all right next song we talk about is called afterlife and i wanted to throw this one in here for a few reasons mm-hmm. um one i this is the best song to highlight papa papa Nici. all right <laughs> that's his name now papa nichi so this song, the lyrics were written by Charlie Domenici, um, and I feel like this is the song that like most emphasizes his vocal ability, mm. and like his, just his style in general. So let's get this started. Started. So it's starting up there, but uh, before the singing starts, let me tell a few facts about this song mm. and Status Seeker. So Status Seeker was the first single. After, Afterlife was the second single. Neither were very successful. Oh, yeah.
1: I actually really like Afterlife.
0: Just point that out. I do too. I think Afterlife's my like my favorite song off this album. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think so. Anyway, um,
1: even I like like was caught off by like there's a, an instrumental like guitar thing in yeah. the middle, or maybe it's drums, and I was like, oh,
0: we'll listen to that. But here's I, Chamanichi. Champanichi? <laughs> I, I, I keep saying it wrong. Champanichi? Oh, hold, se- hold on a second. So here's Dominici. From my own soul. So, yeah, th- this guy, like, he's so 80s. His voice to me is just so 80s. He sounds like Steve Perry of, of Journey. Perry, but yeah. The he sounds like Journey, does he not? Yeah. I think he does.
1: Okay. I don't disagree. I just don't know what journey. <laughs>
0: Fair enough. He's just, he's got a very high pitched voice. Like you can hear, like him mm. singing uh, "Don't Stop Believing." Or oh, something. that's Journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's all I got to say, really. Uh, you want to talk about the lyrics?
1: Again, I find these lyrics very poetic. It just even I, the only thing I highlighted um, was the opening three uh, lines, uh-huh. which is "I t- I touched with one who made me run away from my own soul." That's it. I just like, I like, I like read that like four or five times. I just sat on it and I was just, that's really beautiful. <laughs> the,
0: the, 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 like, I want to unpack it, but it's so concise in it. I think the fact that Charlie Dominici wrote this one by himself, like, I can feel the, like, I don't know, like, the elder wisdom in, mm-hmm. in it. Like, this is, this is a song written by a man who's lived his life for a while, you know? Yeah. He's, he's grappling with like mortality. His own um, uh, existence, yeah. right? His uh, his legacy.
1: Yeah, and that was even like one of the notes that I wrote down. Like the the entirety of the song makes me think of just kind of the wonder of the unknown. Yeah, um, because it's, it's talking afterlife, right? Yeah. And I think even now knowing that Papa Nietzsche was Papa <laughs> um this idea that he was probably. He called him a veteran. He was probably trying to break in for a while, for yeah, oh, more he, than 15 he, he, years. And he totally
0: was, yeah. You know,
1: and this is... Uh, and But he didn't stop trying, and he kept trying. Uh, and now he's in a new place, and he's just like, what happens after this? You know, like, are we going to continue? I don't think he's saying that. But this very much... Uh, it's the wonder of the unknown. Instead of finding it so scary, um, it, it's presented in a way that's not hopeful, or optimistic, but somewhere along those lines. Yeah.
0: It's, it's it's funny you say that, actually. So I think Wonder of the Unknown is, like, the perfect way to describe his intentions in writing it. Because I, I watched an interview where he was describing his idea for um, coming up with this song and writing the lyrics. And he was just like, I broke all the rules in terms of talking about songs about the afterlife, right? Like, where do we go when we die? And he had heard, I guess, when he was taught, like, how to write a song, he was always taught songs should answer questions, not ask questions. Yeah, Not there's a them. lot of asking yeah, here. Yeah, which and I this, liked. And he's just like, no, that's BS. Like he even said it. He's like <laughs> that's BS. I want to write. I wanted to write a song where I asked these questions and just like I don't have an answer. That's that's the thing about it. So he embraced the questions of life rather than like trying to provide an answer for them. It's a very David Bowie thing to say. I, I think David Bowie had a lot of the similar uh, like philosophies with writing songs. They, he's always, I don't want to write songs that are didactic. Meaning songs mm-hmm. that are like teach you know uh, t- teach something or or provide a lesson. It's just like no, I'm just gonna like write how I feel and these ask some questions.
1: Yeah, I think this might be the oh, guitar part. Yeah, he
0: liked the guitar. That is the guitar and the keyboard playing together. A match made is. in heaven.
1: <laughs> <laughs> match made in the afterlife. Um, that's
0: so good, dude. Sorry. <laughs>
1: that's why I liked that. It. it even gush- stood out to me. Yep, I'm gushing. Uh, I think even in line with what you're saying of um, him bucking the teachings Consensus, that he had of writing. Yeah. Uh, just this verse into the chorus. I think it might be the second or third verse. Um, I search within beneath a skin that bears both pleasure and pain in a world full of constant confusion. I will not be par to the craze in the afterlife. Will dark be bright? Will cold be warm? Will the day have no night in the afterlife? Will the blind have sight in the afterlife? And that kind of like, yeah, I guess this is how we're supposed to see it, but
0: is it really, I've got more questions. (laughs) You know, in a different context, this almost sounds like a, like a, uh, like a Christian worship song. Oh uh, yeah, I can. See I've, that. I've heard songs like that, that, you know, that are they ask the same questions. It's like, will this happen when we die? You know, yeah. Like, is this what I have to look forward to? Mm-hmm. Don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think you're right. This is probably my favorite song on the album. Yeah, it's yeah. really good. Real it's, good. It's real good. Do a good job. Papa Nietzsche. Papa Nietzsche, we approve of you.
1: And I just want a shirt that's Papa Nietzsche. Papa Nietzsche, we heart. Just a cap. A cap that says Papa Nietzsche. And people are like, what? Pop- we, that's the only way I will go to a Dream Theater concert with you. If I can wear a hat that says Papa Nietzsche. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it. All right. So we're going to finish off this segment here with the last song. It's actually the longest song on the album. Yeah. Uh, let me introduce this. So. Uh, generally, uh, there are like three shades to dream theater, three sides of dream theater. Purple,
1: right? green, and blue.
0: No. Okay. Um, I, I don't know. You, I guess you could think of it that way, but anyway, um, <laughs> it's actually like, it comes from their best of CD, which is actually called dream theater. Greatest hit and 21 other cool songs. <laughs> because they've, they've only like when that album came, when that greatest hits album came out, they had only had one like top 10 hit ever and it's uh, so clever yeah it's fun um, they're they're like they're like the biggest little band
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: but okay it, yeah
1: cap that says papa nichi shirt that says the biggest little band
0: i love it <laughs> um but so the funny thing is that album it was a double album greatest hits um it was like a two sides right two discs disc number one was called like the dark side which was which featured all of the heavy metal influence songs, right? So Mm -hmm. a lot more leaning towards the Metallica end of things. And then the light side, which was more progressive or soft, melodic, um, ballads, right? So that's all that. And then there's the third side, which is called the epic, right? The epic side, Mm -hmm. which is when they go all out, they're going to write a freaking 20-minute song with several movements. It's going to tell a story or fit a theme. Yeah, they are. And so those are some of my favorites oh. and some of your least favorites. Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, but we don't have the 20-minute song no, on this we don't. one.
0: Uh, the first – Dream Theater's first epic is called The Killing Hand. Clocks in at 8 minutes, 42 seconds. So let's get that started. we got plenty of time to talk about it. Plenty of
1: time. <laughs> plenty of time. It's also in movements.
0: It is. So why are you so averse to, um...
1: I have the attention span of a roasted peanut.
0: Like most of music listeners today.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Go ahead, shave me! No, that's the thing, like, I understand. You have to be in the right mood to Mm -hmm. listen to this, right? Because I feel like with these, especially with these songs, right? Like these epics. Yeah. They're meant to be consumed and, like, Um. focused on, like you would a movie or a TV show. You have to engage with it actively. And
1: that's my main problem with it. Not like that that's a bad thing, but I feel like when I'm listening to them, I'm doing them a disservice because I'm not listening to the whole thing. So something is like, I'll be listening and then I'll be doing something, my mind will go away and I'm like, oh... Is this a new song? No, it's not. It's the same song. And I've missed like two or three whole movements. Right. And I'm like, they put a lot of work into that. Yeah. So because I I admit that my attention span is not that long, if you don't have something that I can sing along to and know that it's moving, um, I feel like I'm doing a disservice to the amount of work you've put in this. Yeah. So I'm glad there are people like you that are like, Nah, listen to that. Oh my gosh, do you hear that? Ah, because I'm like, I am excited that you're yeah. excited because you're so cute when you're excited. But
0: <laughs> so I, I did not give you this advice when I like when we like, like with this album specifically, right? But I feel like the best advice I can give to somebody if they want to listen to this stuff and get the most out of it, like especially these longer songs, right, mm-hmm. is to like do it at night, like turn the lights off. Right, you might fall asleep. I don't know, but yeah, turn the <laughs> lights off. Put it into your headphones and just, like, listen. Like, close your eyes and just listen. Listen to the words, listen to the music, and you just go. Mm-hmm. Right?
1: Yeah. I'll give it a try next time. Yeah,
0: yeah. So next time we have an epic, give it a try.
1: <laughs> I'll drink some coffee, lay down, turn off all the lights, push my earbuds in, close my eyes,
0: and go. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the story, because this song tells a story. Yes, it does. Um, do, you feel, do you feel like you have a firm grasp on that no. story? No.
1: <laughs> I like. I was just like, okay, how many characters are here? I was supposed to go back and read it a third time because so much happens that I'm like, wait, what? Wait, what?
0: Ah. Okay, I want – here's here's my thing. I want you to try and just like try your best to explain what you think this song is about, right? The characters or what happens. And then depending on how well you do, I'll either like – we'll walk through it a second time and I will tell you what it was – what it's about
1: so you mean you want to go piece by piece yeah, yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. Right However now. Okay. you want to handle it. Because I will say I the one note I have for the song is Mad Reroni Kinchin vibes. Like it just feels very much like I was a manslayer, and now I don't want to be and I'm going to be passive and then there's a profit at some point and then at the end it's like no 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 I'll kill everybody which is not Roroni Kinchin.
0: <laughs> okay? So you but- want we we could take it piece by piece if you want. All right, we let's I guess
1: Mm, the first movement. I, I'm not going to sit here and read the whole thing, am I? I mean, like, no, you don't have to reading it like, out loud to everyone. No. So my first, okay. So the first movement is called the observance. Yep. and it's relatively short. Short, and when I read over it the first time, I uh, one of the first times. I was thinking that, like, it's about war. It's about a battle. It's a battlefield, and I feel like the battle is coming to an end, uh-huh. uh, which is why it's, it says, Faded names left on the wall, honor the fighting, uh, leave life to die. Yeah. Which I, that, I was like, did I find that lyric wrong? Because what I want it to say is uh, honor those who, f-, not in these words, but, like, the sentiment, honor those who fought and left life.
0: You're, you're, hey, yeah. that's good. You're good. Um, Good so far.
1: And yeah, like, remember the sacrifice, no appraisal for blood. So, and then just like the question of like, who called for this war, right? Because the lyric says, who were the leaders? What controlled the killing hand that caused this morning? Which is where I get mad Rorona Kenshin vibes and <laughs> government. <laughs> yes.
0: You're right. Okay. Hey, okay. So here here's, here's a little, here's a treat. All right. So I don't even have to be the one to explain it i've got I've got it from the band the, themselves the man Papa ims- Mi- Papa no, no, no. himself. the man himself, John Petrucci, the guitarist he wrote this ah. song. so this is, comes from a documentary that went unfinished for years, but they actually unfi- they, they had finished it for their their fan club. Um, it is a kind of a making of documentary for this album and just like what it was like, you know like interviews with the band in their early days in the late eighties mm. um, for their fan club. Here's John Petrucci explaining the story of The Killing Hand. I've got it into chunks, so as you either get things wrong or right, we'll okay. we'll play these parts. Crossing over.
2: This is a story of The Killing Hand. The Killing Hand was a story that I actually wrote, you know, like sat down, wrote a story, and eventually put into lyrical form. And the story goes as follows. There's this man, and he's, um, he's in a barren land. And if you guys don't know the story, this is the time to clear it up. Yeah, with a bunch of memorial-type walls with names on them. it so good so far. And he's sitting there all by himself, and he's wondering. He's like, where is everybody? You know, the guy must have, like, blanked out or something, or something weird happened to him. He doesn't know where he is, and he just sees these these uh, names, these memorial.
0: <sighs> look at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. <laughs> He's like looks over at another band member and is like, "Hey man, don't look at me. <laughs> this is your song, bro." <laughs> you tell it. All right, so that's the first bit. You're right. You're right. You called it. A. Good job. A.
1: A plus job so far. What's uh, next? What is that called? Deep into reading. Con-
0: what Reading comprehension. Reading comprehension. <laughs> hey, we got math. We got reading comprehension. We're taking you to school, kids. Okay, uh,
1: the second movement is called Ancient Renewal. I will say when I first read like the, the opening thing, it made me think of um, a titan. <laughs> a titan?
0: Ty- like attack on titan? Or? No, no, no. Like a Greek titan. Oh, Greek titan? <laughs> all right, all right.
1: Um, just like mostly because it made me... Ugh, Disney's Hercules, and mm. they were all trapped under the yeah, ocean. Yeah, yeah, with yeah. The, so <laughs> Fair enough. Or like a, a kraken, but mostly it was just like getting... Titan vibes. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. So it was giving me Titan vibes, but also reading it, especially in conjunction with the first part, I am a. It makes me feel like the Killing Hand, um, who did all the stuff, uh, was locked away because you know secrets of what you did for the government that was in power should never uh, be set free in a person that might turn on them. But really, you should just kill him then if you don't want him to know or have that information outside. I'm just saying, if you're writing a book...
0: So you're... you're So capital punishment. You're pro that.
1: No, absolutely not. I'm just saying.
0: Mm.
1: No, don't do that. I Honestly, no. Just I, what I'm saying is don't have secrets and don't have a killing so hand. Did that,
0: so did the main character of the song release this killing hand from the depths of the sea? That immediately made me think of a fan fiction. <laughs> do, you, do you think that there's a Killing Hand fanfiction out there?
1: I could Google it. There's definitely fan fiction of people in bands.
0: Mm. So maybe, don't make maybe...
1: fan fiction of Papa Chuchi, please. <laughs> Papa
0: Chuchi. <laughs> so maybe down the road when we talk about Dream Theater again, we can update, let people know if there's Dream Theater fan fiction. Hey out there. kids, do not create Dream Theater fan fiction for us to look up. Thank you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I feel. It feels like no, it doesn't. Feel, when I'm reading it, it doesn't sound like they're they're releasing him. It's it unless it's like going back in time and saying like, oh, this is ancient renewal. No, it sounds like all the killing has ha- has happened and lowered deep into the sea. A being, oh, a being waits. I'm thinking like they were lowered. That makes more sense. A being waits to sink. Yeah, no, it sounds like they've already been. It they've been put there. A being waits to cleanse cleanse his soul. And his soul is dirty because he was the killing hand.
0: That's So you almost got it right. You dismissed it immediately. You said, unless they go back in time. That's (laughs) what he's doing.
2: Uh, It's a time jump. What he does is he's like, okay, who killed all these people? Like, what happened? Was it a war? Was it a plague? You know, what the hell happened? Uh, So what he does, and this is where the sci-fi comes in. He goes back in time. That's where the sci-fi comes in. And the way... The way the back in time thing all happens is uh, picture the ocean and if you can go all the way down to the depths of the ocean and throw it deep to, into the sea. Right. To the other side, you know, you'd be – that's how you go through time. That was my interpretation of going through time, going down to the depths of the, the ocean.
0: So he swims to the bottom of the ocean and goes back in time. Oh,
1: I did dismiss the sci-fi element. I'm sorry. That's okay. I mean, it's kind of close.
0: All right, so w- let's let's go next. So he's gone back in time.
1: Well, I will say thus far, if any Dream Theater fans out there also are artists, you should definitely make an animated music video.
0: That would be pretty dope, yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, so the third movement is called The Stray Seed. When I first read that, it made me think of uh, the lyrics from um, Status Seeker. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm assuming now that they've jumped back to the present to, well, maybe just before the war has ended. It says Extend a view to yesterday, which may mean it's going back even further, but I don't think it is, and I've dismissed it again if that is what happens. Uh, well, I, I will say, I just really like the line that says, no sound, no smoke, no scorching flames. I just like it, walking amidst the frightening steel. Still, uh, it's a really good picture to paint, just like this beast has arosen, arisen. Arisen. This beast has arisen, and it does say he has risen, uh, out of his titan chamber in the sea. Uh, and he walks and admits and as he walks, like just fright and fear, follow him, even though it looks like nothing, mm-hmm. you know, because, okay, no sound, no smoke, no scorching frame. But like the idea of like, you, we've all saw some, seen somebody walking down the street and we're like, mm, let's not mess with that person. Yeah. <laughs> or we've all seen our mother coming to our room and, oh no, oh no, she's not in a good mood. So I think this is just painting the picture of the, killing hand, but also the person who raised him, right? So the king from below this one controls the killing hand that caused this morning. Is it all over? I feel like I didn't even... See, this is one of the places where I'm like, I'm not sure what's happening. How about you tell me, Pachucci, John?
0: Okay, so he's gone back in time. Again? No, no, no. So we already did that. That was that second movement. The man has gone back in time. Our Mm -hmm. main character. In the past, he witnesses the deaths of the people that he was, you know, seeing the memorial of. Uh, okay. Prior, and that is, so, in that's he gets to see who's responsible for all the deaths.
1: Okay.
2: And he goes back in this time, and much to his chagrin, <laughs> <laughs> that's a sniglet. <clears throat> he doesn't find a war, and he doesn't find you know bombs and and scorching flames and all that. What actually was happening was some sort of tyrant type dude was killing everybody off. Maybe, uh, maybe like the Hitler hitler type situation um, nixon, or, Uh nixon or what was that guy what was that guy that killed everybody with the uh the drink don't be jimmy jones is that who mm-hmm. it was John so Diana. Diana. yes was the yeah name. like that type
0: deal um. yeah so that's the killing hand he witnesses this tyrant um, ruling with an iron fist and killing people like morgan freeman from wanted i wouldn't know <laughs> okay next movement
1: <clears throat> movement IV. Four? before Four. Thorns. Um, evil genius. The, the secret plan. Mercy dealt with the losing hand. Will he ever fall? Can he end it all? Our savior must make his stand. So I think that... So this is either... When I originally read this, I thought that this was a different person from who was being... Spoken about before in uh-huh. general, but now with that already backstory, uh, evil genius, the secret plan mercy dealt with the losing hand. Will he ever? So, I and then the next movement says, Only a prophet of years to come since he's gone back in time. His plan is to fix this, to stop it from happening, yeah, to kill Hitler, to kill Hitler, <laughs> and yeah, our saver must make it make his stand. Oh, that makes the last part make way more sense now. So, um. Uh, So, yeah, so I think that Thorns as a movement is about him finally getting to the end of it where he sees the tyrant king, Hitler. Uh So he has come up with a plan because of seeing not just all the names of the people who died, but witnessing their deaths and possibly witnessing it because of greed was like, let me cut this root off at the trunk.
0: You're right. So... Partially right. Yes, the the main character says, I, "I'm going to put a stop to this. I'm going to kill the killing hand. Uh, I'm going to kill Hitler in the past." Mm-hmm. Uh, however, that's definitely a Doctor Who episode. Continue. But he's got one issue, and good old John will explain it.
2: Um, and so what he says is, he's like, "Wow, man, this guy is crazy. I got to stop. You know, I got to stop all this killing." So he. Is not immortal because he's from another time, kind of like Scrooge, like he can, you can't hear him or anything. So he asks the heavens above to be mort- mortalized, and he becomes mortal. And he kills this guy, man. I don't know what he does, but he kills. Him. <laughs> he, he kills he's this guy, man. He's like, yeah, man. I don't know stopped, what he does. Stopped all the killing.
1: <laughs> so that's why I'm also like really iffy on this because when a writer doesn't know. When the writer doesn't know, I can't exactly put, there's so many, like, I can see where it's coming, but there
0: are holes. Dude, so he's so insecure about this. You can totally tell because he's in the room with all of his bandmates and they're laughing at him. Um. He is so, like, timid to answer these questions because he's like, yeah, maybe it was a bad idea.
1: (laughs) No, it wasn't.
0: You're okay, John. You did a good job. You
1: did a good job, John. (laughs)
0: So yeah, that, that's the the line where it says, "Only a prophet of years to come, wanting mortality. I'm all alone." That's why it, he's he's asking the prophets above to grant him mortality in the past, so that he can kill the killing hand, because uh. he's existed as like this this phantom in the past. I guess that's the rules of this universe. Okay, so he does, and he kills Hitler, and then we got the end.
1: Uh, when I go back, will it be the same? I've stopped the cries, but now they know my name. This is very important in time travel. S- scenarios like do you create paradoxes are you going back to the same timeline have you created a split timeline and now you're going to that timeline like what's the dealio and also apparently he didn't hide his face very well he didn't batman that mess so they know his face wait a minute he was a phantom hold on
0: no he was he was mortalized he
1: was mortalized so he was mortalized in the past
0: Uh uh-huh killed killed Hitler, hitler
1: and then got boosted to the
0: present present yep
1: that's not how mortalism works. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is in this universe, So, The sea is calling me. My spirit must return. As I get closer, was it worth, really worth what I had learned? And for the hero, it's like, wait, is he now going to be trapped in the Titan sea cage? He went back to the future. Yes. <laughs> he went, Madi! <laughs> um, and... Um, To find our one more name appears. No one is left now. My one and only land. I laugh at what I've done. I'm the killing hand. So, which I I really enjoyed that line the first time I read it. I laugh at what I've done. I'm the killing hand. Uh, Especially since the first is like, who is the killing hand? It's like, oh, I'm the killing hand. Um, That what he's done is changed the future. And that there are no names left except Hitler. And that he that in that in doing this he became the thing that he hated, but is now a good thing.
0: Sort yeah. So I like when I first heard the song, like uh, you know, I've always had the idea that he went back in time, Mm. he killed the Killing Hand, and then he went back to the future, and he came to realize that history remembers him as the Killing Hand because he
1: was he assassinated a king essentially.
0: Exactly. So like. History remembers him as the bad guy
1: ah. when all
0: he was trying to do was do the good thing. But I guess that's not the case. Here's John kind of putting a quash on that, which I think is a better story, to be honest. But <laughs> let's go, John.
2: And so then he realizes his time is up. He gets his tap on his shoulder, and he has to go back three times. Go, so he goes go, go, go. back, and as he's going back, he's like, oh "My God, I don't feel the same. Something feels weird. You know, I feel like something's different." he gets back and this feeling overwhelms him to such a point that he wails back to where he was looking at the wall and his name now appears as the last name on the memorial. And so the whole (laughs) irony of the story was that in the beginning the reason why he was by himself is because he was the one who killed everybody in the first place so he was the only one left. Um, and so the time warp thing happens, where he actually goes back in time and he kills himself, and uh, makes no sense really. <laughs> but uh...
0: he he created a paradox.
1: Ah, uh, okay. So I will say, like, because the first time I read it, I was like, oh, so it was him, and he just like lost his memory and stuff. Yeah, but okay.
0: So he still lost his memory. That, and that's what I'm saying. How did that happen? Like at mm-hmm. the beginning of the song, this character is like. Oh, I don't know what's going on. What's all this killing? And it's like you did it. Did he like have? Did he have he like a PTSD? Or-
1: <laughs> oh man!
0: But and then he goes back in time, kills himself, creates a so paradox. So he was Hitler. <laughs> oh my god! That's like a um, a Twilight Zone episode.
1: I'm Hitler. I'm Hitler. <laughs> but,
0: uh, uh yeah. Okay. Uh, John has gone on record in recent days to say this this song doesn't make any sense. But it sounded cool at the time, <laughs> and it did sound cool, John. Give yourself yeah. more credit. Yeah, you were young. You were trying to write an epic. You did okay.
1: Yeah, and this totally works. They did the same thing in Looper. So there you go. They probably stole your your idea, John. <laughs> so that's
0: when Dream and Day unite by Dream Theater. Good job. Did you like it?
1: I mean, I felt like the whole thing. It's a jam.
0: So it <laughs> felt a jam. like the whole. It, it's, I felt it's, it's a jam. jam.
1: It's a jam. I thought the album. It's,
0: it's a jam. Oh gosh! Stop that. <laughs> Would you recommend it though? Yeah, no, I totally would. Yeah, I, I think so too. I so as a Dream Theater fan, knowing their whole catalog, I would not recommend this first. I think there are other albums, even it. though this is the first you're hearing. If yeah, you're exactly. on this hey, yes. podcast, that's, that's way it goes, yes. chronological order. Sometimes that's how the sock crumbles. Yeah, um, I would recommend either their second album, Images and Words, or Octavarium. very good, or um, Systematic Chaos is another good one. Yeah, all, all great stuff. Go, I go think go I ahead. took
1: a song off of
0: uh, Images and Words. Give, it, give all those a shot. They're all great. But how did the public feel about this? Well, when Dream and Day Unite went largely unnoticed by the music industry and sold poorly. In fact, this is the only Dream Theater album that failed to chart on the Billboard 200. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's the only but one. But they kept going. They did keep going. That's Dream Theater is a testament to never give up, never surrender, keep trying. Yes. Follow Fall. your dreams.
1: <laughs> Fall with style. Wait.
0: Falling with style. <laughs> <laughs> Mechanic Records ended up breaking the majority of the financial promises they made to Dream Theater prior to signing the contract. So the band was restricted to a promotional tour of just five concerts around New York City. Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: I, y- y- boys, you did it.
0: Yeah. And and I'm sure this whole uh, ordeal would be written about in future songs. <laughs> Frustration <laughs> with the record da- label. Mm. Yeah. Um and then, you know, now that Dream Theater is popular, the album has since received retroactive reviews, mm-hmm. right? So, those reviews, the consensus is there's praise for Petrucci and Portnoy as competent musicians whose, quote, individual styles were not yet refined. Okay. I, 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 I guess I can feel that, but you can tell, you can still hear the technical skill yeah. in these men, these men's playing. Yeah. And then uh, some have criticized this album for, quote, subpar singing Too many metal cliches, and poor production.
1: What's a metal cliche?
0: Who knows?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was like, um, used Shakespeare, very non-cliche-like. I I
0: think... Step off. Honestly, I think think it came down to Papanici, to be honest. I think Papanici is the most uh, generic of the style, unfortunately. Uh, Especially during this time. Yeah, yeah. He's gotten... Dominici's singing is like a little too 80s and in the time, so Mm -hmm. I think he he's a great singer. Mm-hmm. But I think he sounded too much like a bunch of other acts at the time. Like especially the hair metal dudes. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think it's hard to like m- take it's hard to m- like m- make the this band sound different from everybody else with his singing style.
1: Okay. No, I I get that.
0: Yeah. So, where did Dream Theater go from here? I'm not going to list out the whole legacy because again, we're going to talk about him again
1: <laughs> and again and again. <laughs>
0: Don't Don't sound disappointed. Sound excited.
1: And again. And again. Uh, Was that excited? No.
0: (laughs) All right. So I have bad news for you. Oh. Charlie Dominici left Dream Theater at the conclusion of the When Dream and Day Unites promotional tour.
1: Papa No. Well, I guess I'm never going to a Dream Theater music concert then.
0: Papa we hardly knew thee. (laughs) 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 Alas, poor Dominici. (laughs) So uh, his departure, uh, he cited cr- uh, creative differences and a difficulty singing in the style the band wanted uh. um, as reasons for his departure. Um, he also apparently didn't have the stage presence that the band wanted from a front man. Mm. I guess he wasn't as like outgoing and flamboyant, I guess. Okay. I don't know. Like he, he he didn't have like the, you know.
1: Yeah. You have to be the face. So you have to be the face. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Got the it. panache. And bassist Damn. John Myung just do the opposite of what he's doing. So <laughs> it's funny. I, we haven't talked about John Myung at all, but uh, John Myung is the bass player. Uh, he is the most like introverted man, and he's in a rock band that tours the world and performs <laughs> on stage. It's like he does like he doesn't like to do interviews. He doesn't want to talk to anybody. I've seen man video, after my own heart. I've seen videos of him where like the band is like walking down um like like a hallway or something, you know, and there's like fans nearby and the fan who recorded this video, is off his phone, right? John's just walking. The minute he spots the camera, he goes... (laughs) (laughs) He just, like, covers his face or looks away. He's very introverted. So you have a few of those guys in the band. You need a frontman who's going to take all the attention. Yeah. And uh, I guess Dominici wasn't cutting it.
1: Yeah, okay, that makes sense. That's honestly the best way to do it. I feel like we're both the same. Like, I understand that, right? We're on the mics right now, and you're hearing us, and you see us in our different things, but we are edited to a place where we feel comfortable with the world seeing. Don't pop up in front of me with your phone.
0: So I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't planning on this, but I guess this is the perfect place to talk about uh, where did Papa Nietzsche go from here. <laughs> um, so since leaving Dream Theater, uh, Papa Nietzsche lapsed out of the music business and obtained a job as a finance manager at an automobile business.
1: 15 years. 15 years. What about Afterlife, Papa Nietzsche? What about the wonder of the unknown? This afterlife.
0: <laughs> um, but there's good news. There's okay. a silver lining.
1: Give me that lining.
0: In 2004, um, on the 15th anniversary of One Dream and Day Unite's release, Dream Theater played an, played the entire album live for like a special show. Amongst, oh, I remember
1: seeing that on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Like
0: amongst a, a group of fans that did not know it was coming. So it was a complete surprise. That's cool. Yeah. During the show's encore, Papa Nici himself made a surprise appearance and sang with the band for two songs. He, this is like the first time he had sang in like 10 years or something. This performance was recorded live and then later released on CD and DVD under the title When Dream and Day Reunite. <laughs> That's cute. Yeah. So that performance gave Dominici the itch to play again, mm-hmm. to sing again. In 2005, he released a solo album entitled O3, A Trilogy, Part 1, and then followed that up with two more parts. So, cool. Yeah. Good for you, Papanici.
1: Papanici, I'm still
0: making a hat. Um, so give those a listen. I, I cannot vouch for them. I haven't listened to them, but maybe I will now. That's again, O3, A Trilogy, Parts 1, 2, and 3. And that's Dream Theater. Yeah. 89. We're, 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 we're out. Um, we're going to close out this segment, unless you have any more parting thoughts.
1: I do not.
0: So we're going to close out with... Um, a song called Only A Matter of Time. The out- It's the last song in the album. The outro is excellent. It's like the perfect ending song. So <laughs> enjoy that as we go to break. We'll see you on the other side with Jess's album of 1989. Be prepared. back and we're (laughs) dancing
1: (laughs) one of us is dancing
0: (laughs) i love this song man um so the 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 steak is we're we're done eating the tough steak we're gonna have a bit of a dessert
1: (laughs) (laughs) a bag of chips some fritos all the
0: the tough you know the tough the tough works out of the way we can just have some fun (laughs) you know they say um beer before liquor makes you sicker Liquor, then beer, you're in the clear. So <laughs> that's what we've done today. We've got the heavy stuff out of the way, and now we can talk about some fun stuff. Easy stuff. Uh, Easy being the B 52s. Yeah, released June 27th, 1989. Their comeback record and mainstream breakthrough for a whole new generation. We've got Cosmic Thing by the B 52s.
1: Hey! Love Shack!
0: <laughs> Sorry. You're so cute! Oh, man. Okay, <laughs> so we need to talk about why this is your album of 1989, because it was a struggle to find that out.
1: Um, You'll find out in the runners-up, but I did not listen to music that came out this year. Like, at all. We had to go through... I didn't recognize... This is how we find our artists. We go through a list of um, albums that came out that year, but we only read the artist name. And then when the artist name is read and we're like, oh, I know that band. Um, What album is this? Oh, yeah, I've totally. Let's see what are on the track list and how many songs I've listened to this album. I did not recognize the name of a single artist.
0: It, so, like, generally, I'm the one who reads the names out. I just read the list off and we stop whenever something sounds familiar. When, like, I was going through this, I'm like, oh, that's a that's a big album. Have you listened to that? No. No. No.
1: no I don't and know who so, any of these people are. Like,
0: we got through the whole list and you were leaning on Young MC because he had one song that you recognized and that was Bust a Move. Yep. And I told you there is no... <laughs> Possible way that you have only like there is no album from 1989 that you've heard more than one song on that's impossible (laughs) there has to be one album that you've heard more than one song on so I made it my mission to find (laughs) it out and I threw a dozen albums at you yeah this one have you heard this single on the radio? No.
1: Like, and he had to, I was like, no. And he had to play like pieces of like
0: you've never heard this song. And I'm like, no, I don't know what this is. And so, again, it a dozen of them. Finally, we reached this song. I played for her Love Shack. Which obviously I've heard you heard. And, and then I played one more song, which we will get to. But it's the other single from the album. And you're like, yeah, I've heard that. Yep. And I was like, thank you.
1: So, so I, this is my album because I have previously heard two songs from the radio on this album. Yes. From this album on the radio.
0: And it, yeah, that, that's, that's it. That's it. 1989 music made no, uh, impact on you. I was busy being born. That's true. Oh, hey, we forgot to ask that. Oh, we, no, I asked that in the previous episode. Where were we in 1989? <laughs> it's true. You were a baby.
1: I was a baby. And
0: I, I. I don't I doubt your parents were listening to the B52s yeah. the year you were born. They
1: were probably listening to Young MC.
0: Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> probably right.
1: I just, which is fine. Like, like, if you didn't already guess, I am not the music person in this relationship,
0: kids. <laughs> it is me. I'm <laughs> the man. It is me. I'm the music man. I'm
1: the Papacino.
0: <laughs> I'm the Papacino. <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> Papanichi.
1: I'm the Papanichi.
0: Um. But I think I'm safe to say that you are glad that you've listened to Cosmic Thing by the B52s. Yeah, 50s. after
1: we listened through the whole album, I was like, "Oh, I don't mind this."
0: Yeah, it, this was, is, it was it was like a, fun. Yeah, it was a, it was a treasure that we found. A yeah, very, a very treasure.
1: borrowed Buhr- treasure.
0: But hey, let's jump in. Let's, let's let's talk about the B52s. Okay. Let's see what they're all about because they're a, they're a bunch of weirdos.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, the only thing I have written down for this whole album is they're all weird. They yeah. are all weird.
0: This is true. <laughs> And uh, that's what I love about them, (laughs) to be honest. Okay, the B-52s formed in 1976 in Athens, Georgia, comprising of vocalist Cindy Wilson, guitarist Ricky Wilson, keyboardist and vocalist Kate Pearson, drummer Keith Strickland, and lead vocalist Fred Schneider. (laughs) Are the Wilsons brothers and sisters? Yes, they are. Cool. story goes that Keith Strickland, the drummer, met Ricky Wilson outside of like a a headshot. Mm-hmm. I don't, is that, that that's where you get the marijuana? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the guy to ask on that.
1: <laughs> is that where you get the marijuana? <laughs> oh, you are Papa Chito. <laughs> <laughs> Chinichi, Papa. Oh,
0: okay. <laughs> so they met and they hit it off. Uh, I guess they were both like, everyone said Ricky Wilson is like, that guy is so cool. Right? Mm. So they hit it off. Got introduced. The, the whole The whole band met. Ricky's sister, Cindy, was in the band, mm-hmm. and, and they just yeah. Okay. Yep. So they got together. I think they said that the band formed after a uh, after a mixed drink. <laughs> they all had a mixed drink,
1: <laughs> and they like, decided
0: to get to work. That's that's. I mean, that's one way. Yeah. Um. Their first single, Rock Lobster.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Was an
0: underground success, helping to secure them a record deal. Their uh, self-titled debut album was a strong international success, thanks largely to Rock Lobster, and helped the band launch a string of well-received records. That first album is fantastic. It's among my like top five favorite albums of the 70s. It's oh. so good. <laughs> Every song's a winner.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: And, and it's just as weird as this one. Oh. if More so. There's a song on it called, um, there's a moon in the sky. It's called The Moon.
1: That's the title?
0: Yes. Okay. There's a moon in the sky. It's called the moon. (laughs) They're all weird. (laughs) Everybody's there. (laughs) So, a bit of bad news. In 1985, guitarist Rick Wilson tragically passed away from AIDS um, at the age of 32. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so that's the thing. It's like we've been... Like, this is our, like, you know, second to last episode of the 80s. And we haven't even talked about the AIDS crisis, right? Yeah. that was a big thing. Yes. A scary thing. Yes. Like, a tragic thing. Yes. Um, And...
1: Affected a lot. Yep. I mean, obviously the music industry, but most creative industry, just everywhere. everybody
0: Yeah. So it's 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 really sad that like you know our last music spotlight of 19- of the of the eighties involves that. But you know, so mm-hmm. rest in peace, Rick Wilson. Yes. Rest in power. And then I guess the same year,
1: eighty-five.
0: Yeah, nineteen eighty-five. That same year, uh, Cindy Wilson lost her husband. So
1: just so much hits for the band. And she had
0: gotten married that year. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I was just reading that. So it's like Cindy Wilson lost her brother and her husband the same year. So it, like the whole band needed to take some time off. Yeah. 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 Like, so. That's um,
1: a rough year.
0: So as a result, after the completion of their 86 album, boun- bouncing off the satellites and a brief promotional push, like, so yes, they were writing this album while all this stuff went down. Mm. Um, they all decided they needed a break. Yeah. They went on hiatus for two years. Just like got away from it all. Yeah. I'm like, totally. Yeah. Makes sense. And then in 1988, Keith Strickland approached the band about recording together again, Mm -hmm. uh, sharing some of the material he had written in the interim. They all agreed. and began to work on what would become cosmic thing. Eight. So with that backstory in mind, I want to point out a few things about like the subject matter of this album, like the songs we're going to take a look at, because I think paying tribute and remembering their close friend, who had hmm. just passed away, like, I think emanates from the album.
1: I wish you had told me about this before we got on mic. I'm like, that it changes my reading of stuff,
0: but let's go. Let's go. Alright, so first thing I want to look at is called Deadbeat Club. It's the third song on the on the album. Um I kinda of wanna focus on this one because I think it's the most nostalgic. Okay. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Good job. What for?
0: I'm trying to think. It opens with someone saying, Get a job! What for?
1: I'm trying to think.
0: I also think this is probably the most 80s sound of the songs oh, we're yeah, going to listen to. This, this sounds like this could be, like, in a montage for a John Hughes movie.
1: The whole music video is a montage.
0: <laughs> it is. But you know what I mean. Like, this sounds like it could be in Pretty in Pink or yeah. Fifteen Candles uh, or Breakfast Club.
1: I hate all but one of those movies. Eh.
0: <laughs> um. So... Tell us, uh, what do you think about Deadbeat Club? Okay, well, yeah. Now,
1: now definitely. Because I originally didn't highlight anything from here, because I'm like, what are we talking about here? Because, right, like, what a deadbeat is, like, Mm -hmm. the definition of, which I didn't look up, so I'm going by what I understand a deadbeat to be, is somebody who just doesn't. Like, doesn't do anything. Like, kind of a waste-oid?
0: Yeah.
1: I don't know. Yeah, I was like, I don't want to define a waste-oid now. But... Do, yeah, doesn't work, but doesn't really do anything. I almost said anything worth anything, but that's not what it is. Like anything productive. Productive—that's the word. Yeah, That was a third time this week that I've stumbled over the word productive. <sighs> anyway, yeah, isn't like really productive. And a club of non-productive people is just like a bunch of people who um, inspire each other to do nothing. Yeah. So my reading event of that is that like that was just like okay. I mean, I like the song. I definitely like the song. Mm -hmm. I added, after listening to this album through the first time, this is one of the songs I downloaded and I have just in my music library.
0: So like what they explained the song as is it's about them and it's about them starting up as a band. Like they're looking back to like 1976 when they all Mm -hmm. first met each other and they all started, they all decided they wanted to be in a band together in Athens, Georgia. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like at the time they were all deadbeats. Uh, they yeah. were, they all like were like either like homeless or or like you know low income, and they didn't have smoking pot. Yeah, smoking pot together. They didn't have anything to do, right? And then people are still like, "Just get a job, you hippie!" You know, like <laughs> they're like, "No, we're the Deadbeat Club." You, th- let me let me s- say this in a language you can understand. This is a look at this photograph song. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, like
1: a language i can understand that's your language sir but yes this is a photograph song (laughs) uh,
0: shout out to nickelback uh this this is a song all about like their like just uh, specific references to athens georgia
1: yeah so they
0: talk about allen's
1: yeah i was like i don't know what this place is but okay
0: so allen's is a burger joint and nightclub in athens georgia Huh. So that's what they said. What's that that line there?
1: Um, going down to Allen's for a twenty five cent beer and the jukebox playing real loud. Ninety six tears.
0: Ninety six tears is a, it's a song. Oh, Okay. Um. Oh, I mean that. Makes I sense. Listen, I, I remember listening to Ninety Six Tears in, in in math class in high school. Like our teacher put it on for us. Okay. I will cry. Ninety six tears. Why? I don't know. It's okay. It's something, it, I, I butchered it. I, I just remember <laughs> that we made fun of that. So we would say to each other, like, 96 tears.
1: I'm sorry, professor, teacher, guy, lady, whoever you are, doing math, that we, children are the worst and made fun of your song preferences. And then we, we
0: changed it to 69 tears. Oh, gosh. <laughs> the weed, I'm sorry the, that you're a teacher. <laughs> the weed number. The weed number.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: And then they talk about Normal Town, which is near Athens, Georgia.
1: That's I thought that was just a, a nope, thing. It's that a people... real place. Okay. Let's never visit. It's that. a literal
0: place where it's no, stop <laughs> it.
1: um, but that makes sense. It's very, it's very nostalgic as a whole. Yeah. I was good. I could talk a mile a minute.
0: And I guess just like dream theater and like, you know, having people confront them about their life choices right before they were famous, the parents of the members of the B 52s just called them deadbeats. They were like, "Get a job. This band thing's not going to work out. Stop it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> stop it."
0: So that's interesting.
1: Just stop it. Uh, that is the, nice, li- the life production. of a
0: young band just getting started. It's the same for everybody. It's a universal experience.
1: <laughs> universal. That's fair. But yeah, this is like it's a nice song, and it's like such a bop. This you can dance to.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Let me skip ahead to the, the uh, the chorus here, and it, it does feature the uh, vocal um, the, 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 call, the call and response, like that that like uh, iconic call and response thing that they do. yes yeah. is like the girls sing and then Frenchmaner goes, "Deadbeat clown. <laughs> He's got
1: such a voice. Yeah, he does. So this is one of the songs that I term as the, the girl songs, not because it's girly, but because the main vocals are the girls. Yeah,
0: which like you you see that in all of the B-52s music. It's like there are like the songs that were the women lead and then the songs where the men lead. Or, yeah. Or Fresh Schneider leads, really.
1: Yeah. But like, I think that's so it, I feel like it's a nice parallel to Dream Theater where it's like, we don't have a lead singer. Or we don't have a lead mu- musician. We all get to shine. Yeah,
0: the yeah. same here. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. Yeah, the yeah. parallel. Everybody in the B52s is a character. Yeah. <laughs> we we watch like we watch this this music video here. and It's like everybody's just like they all look wacky and they yeah. look like they're having so much fun.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> this one and, and the ne- the other next song we're gonna talk about, they were all just like living their best '80s life. Yeah.
0: You want to you want to jump into that or? Sure. All right. So the next song we want to talk about is the other song that just knew (laughs) the
1: (laughs) and I didn't know I knew it because he started playing I was like I've never heard the song and he was like let me get to the chorus I was like oh I've heard that yeah so that
0: (laughs) song was Rome not Rome like the city Rome Rome like Rome around the world
1: Rome like with an A in it yeah
0: it's got that intro this like choir what is this It's just them singing, uh, the
1: girls singing in a high melody. High harmony.
0: Now, this song is pure joy. Yeah. Pure joy. Yeah. The people who wrote it were having fun. The people who listened to it have fun. The -hmm. people who watched the music video have fun. The people (laughs) who made the music video, I'm sure, had a lot of fun.
1: Yes. Playing with that green screen.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, so... I guess we're just going to talk about the music video first. But uh music video directed by Adam Bernstein who is now known for his work on shows like 30 Rock and Fargo. Oh. Yeah. He's won Emmys. Um he's won Emmys, you know. The men has Emmys. Um like this song the, the music video specifically is so freaking 90s. Agreed. Like, we're in we're in 89 where the the you know the 80s become the 90s, right? And <laughs> you see what we now think of like the the 90s aesthetic, like the early 90s aesthetic with um, Saved by the Bell and stuff. Yeah. Squiggly lines, animation. Pops of
1: color. Yeah. Bold. N-
0: neon colors. It's all here in this video. Yeah. Um, and jumping back to TV of 86, I feel like the same sensibilities that built this music video were the same sensibilities that built Pee Wee's uh, Playhouse.
1: Leave. I never <laughs> want to hear that again. I don't think we even watched Pee Wee's <laughs> Playhouse. There's,
0: don't go to that re- that just skip everything in that episode. You've got chroma key, you know, green screen, mm-hmm. stop motion animation, normal animation. People it's it's all there. Yeah. And it's just as weird.
1: No no, it's not just as weird. You are incorrect in that. This is much less weird and more acceptable than that mess you made me watch. Anyway,
0: I guess draw your own conclusions, but I think this this music video is still pretty weird.
1: Yeah, it's pretty weird. It's pretty all over the place. I like it though, it's because, right, like they're talking about roaming, right? Like to actual travel. They're talking about travel. And so the music video is a lot of like green screen with uh, images in the background of like places around the world in different countries and stuff, but people doing dances and then the band members approximating some of those dances, like, trying to, and sometimes getting it, but most times, like, no, no, that's not the movements that they're doing, yeah. right? So, like, that's what makes it fun, you know? And it's,
0: it is weird, but it's also just, it's fun. It's, like, shows the, like, how universal just, like, I don't know, just, like, joy and happiness. Like, yeah. all humans, like, express joy and happiness. By moving your body. And passion, like, in the same way. And I think that it's a, it's a celebration of the world. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. And I think that's what the world needed at this time, you know, like the, the late 80s were a very cynical time, you know, mm-hmm. like if anything, like the this album being like maybe like a throwback or like a very nostalgic album You know, because they've lost a friend, you know, like yeah. a fallen soldier and they want to remember the good times, you know, like we need that. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we need to remember the good times and we need to remember that we're a community of people and we're all you know, there's there's a place for positive vibes.
1: Yeah, no, yeah. no, I agree. I think that's one of the things, like, knowing that this is um, made after, you know, like, the, almost a bit of a memorial to the, the person, that there is this joy, right? Like, I know, like, we can be very sad, but it's also people like to celebrate the life of people, right? And, yeah. like, not to, and so the idea of, like, it just opens with, I hear wind, whistling uh, air, whispering in my ear. And that can be a spiritual thing, but it also can just be, like, a call to be moved to be mobile, to be moving. And then even boy Mercury shooting through uh, every degrees. And uh, that may mean something, but like the idea, like of something being mercutial and quick and changeable, this kind of like, go, just go. And the whole song, for the most part, they're just saying, roam if you want to get out, go. And it just makes me feel like after the like time of mourning for the band members that they like were like, okay, I need to go and do something that brings me joy and, and stuff like that. And that's what I feel like is expressed very well in here
0: let's go see the places that ricky didn't get to see
1: yeah kind of like that's what it feels like yeah um yep
0: (laughs) i I think i think that's it you know really but
1: i also think that like because most of the things i i highlighted the only i highlighted the only parts that are different right so uh boy mercury shooting through every degree oh girl dancing down those dirty dusty trails skip the airstrip to the sunset yeah ride the arrow to the target Fly the great big sky, see the great big sea, kick through continents, busting boundaries. Take it take it hip to hip, rock it through the wilderness, around the world. The trip begins with a kiss. And that just feels very much like, like a love poem, but not like romantic love.
0: Yeah. It's like a love of life. Yeah. Seize the day. <laughs>
1: Get your Carpe Diem out of here. Okay,
0: Oh, Captain My Captain.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a really, it's a, again, a fun song.
0: And uh, that takes yeah. us to... And I'm glad it was a single. Like, it was yeah. a good one to be. So we transitioned from a song that you didn't know you knew to a song that you glad you know now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we listened to this album. And again, she had only heard two songs, um, Rome and Love Shack. Mm-hmm. And so every other song was new to you. Yes. And for some reason, one song in particular like just stood out to you and resonated with you. Yeah. What is the name of that song? Dry County. Dry County, which is the second song on the album. I like it. Like This song also sounds very 80s, but it's just like... Just synth based. Yeah, I think that's why,
1: like, I love synth. Yeah, like, I love synth in my music. Yeah. So this is just one of the ones I was like, download, yes. All, the, do all the synth
0: wave, vapor wave that the kids are listening to these days. Like, mm-hmm. this is the style that they are trying to recreate, yeah. you know. This song just so chill.
1: It's so chill. It's weird. <laughs> Lyrically confusing.
0: Yeah. Um, let's listen to Mr. Rick Schneider. What does he sound like here? So how would you describe the way he sings?
1: Um, the way Johnny Cash wishes he could.
0: <laughs> you wanna articulate that a little bit more? Or? He just
1: he he just sounds like a narrator who's keeping
0: time. He's ta- he talk- talks talking. Yeah, he's toxic. So that is Rick Schneider's signature thing, is the talk sing. And it has a term. There's a German word for it. It's called sp- Spruka song. huh okay. song.
1: Can I call Scott so that he can uh, <laughs> tell me how to if pronounce that properly? If I said that definitely... wrong, I apologize.
0: <laughs> I am not German, but Spruka song. song. It's it just means talk singing. Mm. Just listen to him; like he's just talking. Well, that's, that's the girls. They're actually singing, but yeah, we'll get wait. <laughs> yeah, you can even hear it. Like, so the girls are like singing but he's like kind of singing along with them but just like just talking it's, yeah it's, it's very strange but that's just thing it's a good thing it works yeah. it like
1: it sets them apart unlike the
0: Papa Papa <laughs> when I was uh taking the notes for this I uh was reminded of a joke we came up with one time we were listening in the car and I don't think we were listening to this song but we were talking about the b52s and you were trying to remember their name mm-hmm. and you called them the blink 52. <laughs> Oh, no, Blink-1 Blink One B-52s. Blink blink one one B- <laughs> I started thinking, like, what would that sound like, that mashup? The Blink-1 B-52s. <laughs> and I started, like, you know, uh, Haul the small things. True care. True thing. <laughs> <laughs> How, what's that lyric from, from All uh, the Small Things where it says, Work sucks, I know? What's the first part sucks.
1: of it? Work sucks. I know. What's before that? I'll be. a oh,
0: boy, I was not a blinker. I was just like, work sucks.
1: I know. I'll be at the show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then, like the the opposite of that. Like, what does that sound like? What oh, if yeah. Tom DeLong was trying to sing? Uh, uh, B fifty two. Yeah. Uh, Love Shack, baby, Love Shack.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's excellent.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I love it. 20. That's, a, that's, that's all right. That's just a funny story that I remember. Uh, I was coming up with the blink. 1 I do remember D-2s. that.
1: I was like, what? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Because <laughs> uh, I don't have too much. I don't have too much to say about Dry County. Like, you, oh. don't, you don't even know what it's about.
1: <laughs> it's uh, I do. OK, so it's weird because when you first think about it, it's like, oh, they live in a county that doesn't you can't drink alcohol there. Right. Um,
0: I think it's a little bit more literal than that.
1: Yeah, when I was reading through it, instead of listening to it, I was like, wait, I think they're talking because it starts off, it's one of those summer days, I've got nothing to do. Let the wind blow around my head, let a cloud be my bed. And it's other lines, the heat of the days got me in a haze, those lazy summer days are here. Just let the breeze flow through your mind, feel so fine. Like, it's legit about... It's a hot summer day. A hot summer day. It's
0: dry the, outside. It's
1: dry outside. The the chorus when the blues swamp you, which I really like these two lines. When the blues swamp you on the side of the head, throw them to the floor and kick them out the door. <laughs> I'm like the summer blues. You scared? You sad? Uh, when the blue sky, when the blues kick you in the head, you roll out of bed in the morning. Just sit on the porch and swing. Sit on the porch and swing. And that just is like I. Uh, so it's really just about it being warm outside. And it's, it's a dry it, comedy. Being
0: in a malaise.
1: In a malaise. Hey, yeah. It's just, here comes the girls up the road. What they want to do, they can't because it's a dry county. So that's the only line that makes me feel like, alcohol?
0: I, I, I think maybe. Unless
1: it, they want to go skinny dipping, which I can't do in a county that has no water.
0: I, it, maybe it's just like, I, this is just the feeling you get. Like, the same feeling you get when you're in a dry county, when you can't get alcohol, right? Mm. Like, the, you can't have fun the same thing it's like a hot summer day and you just don't feel like going out like this is just the feeling that you have yeah the 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 all-encompassing feeling of all those emotions being
1: told you can't do a thing (laughs) yeah or
0: just feeling like you don't want to like that day
1: yeah i get
0: it sometimes you just don't
1: yeah (laughs) lyrically the song is real weird in a mess and i don't know what's going on but musically
0: this is one of the only songs i think in my life that i know that jess appreciates musically more than anything else
1: yeah (laughs) it's a rare thing
0: it is a rare thing Something we had to point out. Last but not least. Last but not least. Last but not least. Um, we have to talk about the big hit. We went in, you know, we we uh, we opened the segment with it, but heck, we're going to play it again because it's a heck of a lot of fun. Love Shack. <laughs> um, now when I think of this song, especially this opening here, I, uh... A few- in the before times (laughs) when we could go out and do things um we went to a dueling piano bar and you could pay money to the pianists and they would like and and you could you know submit requests for Mm. them to cover right and when they started playing love shack the place went bananas (laughs) and like he started playing it and like, you know, like, down, the, down the side of the road, we're going to the... And then I yell, Love Shack! <laughs> <laughs> everyone went crazy. I feel like everyone did that. Like everyone just like their eyes lit up and they all screamed, Love
1: Shack! Yeah, this song is definitely a legacy piece. Yeah.
0: Like, what is this song about? What oh. is the Love Shack?
1: Okay. It's... A literal place.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 both a little old place and a literal place. Where we and, can get together. <laughs> and I'm not lying. There is a literal love shack. Or there was. Um, so, Please tell me it was a bar. When the uh- band first formed, singer Kate Pearson literally lived in a love shack. She had bought this cabin in the woods for, like, pennies and lived there. There was no running water, no bathroom. They all lived in an... Out- like, they had to go to an outhouse. Oh, wow. Um, and, like... Her and her friends just live there. And that's like where she was living when they started B 52s.
1: Okay. At the Love Shack. (laughs) All right.
0: It was located off of Atlanta Highway near Athens.
1: Oh, well, I mean, I'm heading down Atlanta Highway looking for the Love Getaway.
0: So there you go, it's real.
1: Don't go there, guys. And it's a
0: place where we can get together.
1: (laughs) There's Okay, so the line, we always make fun of this line. We never say it right. The line is, the love shack is a little old place where we can get together. But every time we hear it, it's a literal place. And it is. It sounds like, the love shack is a literal place. We can get together. So it's a literal place and it's a literal place.
0: Yep. And uh, let me skip to it here, but the 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 like Got my line. My car
1: is big as a whale. Oh yeah,
0: he We've does have a car. And it's as big as a whale. Uh, <laughs> but that is
1: that is a line. Yeah, I love that. That he, my husband repeats
0: often. Yep. So this part here, where you know, it's like it a little louder, sugar. Mm-hmm. Right, bang bang on the door, baby. Right. Bang, bang Sorry about that. <laughs> right, so you have this build-up. A little louder. Hold on. What did she say? Tin roof rusted. She says, tin roof busted, which was a reference to the literal love shack. <laughs> um, apparently, they her love shack had a tin roof that was rusted. <laughs> and I guess that was just a an outtake they had in the jamming session. And Wilson was like, I love that. Keep <laughs> it in.
1: <laughs> uh This song is a lot of fun, but also it's a little uncomfortable. (laughs) They're like, no, no, no. But like when just reading it, like without all the jammy jam jams, I'm like, okay. So one of the things uh, after it's like, there's a sign that says stay away fools. It says just a funky old shack and we got to get back glitter on the mattress, glitter on the high world. Uh, glitter on the highway glitter on the front porch glitter on the highway and i'm like where's all this glitter going why do you have glitter on your mattress glitter will follow you everywhere okay whatever i don't think that's uncomfortable they're,
0: glam. they're fabulous don't use glitter in your bed yeah don't do that that's <laughs> t- disgusting don't do it yeah no
1: um fine and that's just that was just like that seems messy <laughs> but then the other part when you're like not listening to it it's just like they're talking about the Love Shack, where's that? And then hugging and kissing, dancing and loving, wearing next to nothing because it's hot as an oven. The whole shack shimmies when the whole shack shimmies. The whole shack shimmies when it
0: everybody's saying so say- It's an orgy! <laughs> I was going to say, what you're saying is... The Love Shack is a little old place where we can get together for group sex.
1: Yes, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's fine, whatever. When you're looking at the music videos, like, ah, it's just a bar where we can get to play to get and like dance and be fun and blah blah blah. It's blah. a dance club. But the lyrics moving around and around and around and around. Everybody's moving, everybody's grooving, baby. <laughs> Folks lining up outside to get just to get down is the line. Everybody's moving, everybody's grooving, funky little shack. Why is it so funky? Does it smell bad? So I'm just saying, reading it out of context, I'm like, ill gross. ill gross. And then you're like, no running water. it'll
0: gross. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's so much freaking fun. You mentioned the music video, which is equally fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's like the the band Drives up to the Love Shack and it's like a dance club and they mm-hmm. got a DJ and the band is playing and they're doing the Soul Train dance. Yeah. Um, you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, RuPaul's there. A young RuPaul.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, be- before,
0: before the drag race. Yes, way before.
1: Yeah. Hop in my Chrysler. It's as big as a whale. <laughs> and it's about to set sail. I, I hope I got me a car. It seats like 20. Why do you need so many people?
0: I hope to one day own a Chrysler that is big as a whale.
1: <laughs> no. Think about the gas. That's true. <laughs> own it and just park it outside. I mean,
0: that's like, never drive. I feel like that's all I got to say about freaking Love Shack. You have anything, any, any other thoughts on it? I don't.
1: Other than it's just, it's fun. It's fun. Yeah.
0: And the album as a whole recommend. Yes. Top shelf recommend. Aha. Uh-huh. Um, I feel like you need to put this on at a party. Yeah. Have some good, have the a good, whole thing. Yeah. If you can, if you can, like dig out an old vinyl record to play it on, you know, like that. I'm sure that vinyl sound would make it even better. Like, we could do that. We could do that. Um, <laughs> so yes, high recommend from both of us.
1: We'll, we'll do a watch party, stream it on Twitch yeah. of us listening to one of. Uh, I'm kidding. We're not doing yeah. that.
0: <laughs> Maybe one day. <laughs> um, but how did the world think about Cosmic Thing? How did that? Because I, I felt like we didn't do the album justice. You know, we we talked about four songs, and the whole album is good. Yeah. It's it's. I don't know. I'm sorry. It's just like, this album is so freaking good. it,
1: it just, yeah. it is. But it is very much like dessert. You want to like get through it quick and like share the next one. It's yeah. like, ah. And so it's like, we're done talking about it. It was a lot of
0: fun. Go listen to it. Mm-hmm. So Cosmic Thing was a smash success. Smashing. Thanks in no small part to Love Shack, which reached number three in the U.S., number two in the U.K., and spent eight weeks at number one in Australia. Wow. Yeah.
1: They really love some lovin' the in Australia. The Australians love
0: the B-52s. <laughs> like, uh, Rock Lobster was a big hit down there. Um, in, the, in the U.S., the album spent 22, 22 weeks in <laughs> the top 10 of the Billboard 200 and became the country's ninth best-selling album of the year. Oh, cool. Yeah. Good job, B-50 and 2s. Um, the album was well-received by critics who praised the band's exploration of mature themes like anti-capitalism, environmentalism, and self-reflection and reminiscence. We talked about a few of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that entices you to really look into the album because yeah. those themes are there. Yeah. We just didn't get a chance to talk about them. Um, in 1991, the B52s were nominated for a Grammy Award for Best Pop Vocal Performance by a Duo or Group for Rome.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And what of Love Shack? Well, it was named Best Single of 1989 by Rolling Stone, received an award from MTV for Best Group Video, named one of the 365 Songs of the Century in 2001 and Ranked 246th on the list of the great 500 greatest songs of all time by Rolling Stone.
1: Oh, wow! Good jobs,
0: Love Shack is grade A. And uh, sadly, this is our last time talking about the B52s uh, for the show, yeah, for the foreseeable future. So let's talk about where they went from here. Uh, the B52s released their follow up album Good Stuff in 1992. Uh, and then spent the next decade touring sporadically and writing songs for movies and TV. Oh, um, movies. They were in the Flintstones movie. Oh. The live action one with mm. uh, John Goodman. Yeah. Uh, they did the theme song for Rocko's Modern Life. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I knew that. Rocko's Modern Life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and th- there's a bunch, there's a mm-hmm. whole list of them. Um, they released their first full album in 16 years, Funplex, in 2008, to a warm reception. And then in 2012, Keith Strickland, uh, the guitarist, mm-hmm. uh, announced his retirement from touring, though the remaining members have continued to tour since then. Okay. Uh, we missed out on seeing them like two years ago. They were playing right across the street from our house. Oh. At the pizza place. Oh. With the venue. Yeah. Wow. They were they were there, and we didn't get to go see them. Well, so. I
1: didn't know that they existed at that time.
0: Uh, Wait, it, two years ago. Or we weren't married. This was before we were married. Yeah. yeah. I was like, hold yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. Either way. One day, when things open up again, we will see them. That sounds like a heck of a lot, a heck of a lot. One of fun. day
1: after the apocalypse ends, yeah, when we are in post-apocalyptic America.
0: And in addition to be considered pillars of the 1980s new wave movement, the B52s are celebrated nowadays as queer icons and pioneers.
1: What they're queer? Yeah. I never would have guessed <laughs> it, that.
0: Nearly every member of this band is yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, like they. <laughs> Good job, them. Good job, them.
1: Yeah. I feel like... I mean, yeah.
0: <laughs> that should be celebrated.
1: Yeah, that's what it's like. That should that is a, should be... That is a great accolade. Acc- acc- accolade? Yes. That's also not what I was going to say. I don't know. Accommodation. That's not it. It's a great okay. accomplishment. That's the word! Accomplishment. That's a great accomplishment and does a lot for the community, so...
0: Yeah. Hey, but that's, that's it. We've reached the end of 1989 music. We have. Uh, we need to settle the score. Who won?
1: I... My album's really good, but I want to give it to Dream Theater.
0: <laughs> wow. I wasn't prepared for this. <laughs> what were you going to say? I, I'm like, to me, like I, I think Dream Theater's great. I, mm-hmm. I think it really You like,
1: also just don't think this is one of the best albums. I album. don't, and
0: I think it's a lot of fun. I think it's a little rough around the edges because they're still finding their sound. Mm-hmm. B-52s, I, I think they had already hit their stride. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think... <laughs>
1: Are you going to be uh, no, a turncoat
0: on your favorite band? I'm going to say it's a draw, meaning we defer to you, meaning Dream Theater 1. <laughs> hey.
1: Here, here's the thing. Like, if um, if we're asking, like, which would I recommend first um, and Co- foremost? Cosmic Thing. It would be Cosmic Thing. I think it's much easier for our listeners to get into if they're not into progressive rock and stuff. But as I am more lyrically inclined as a human person... Dream Theater wins, Hey, in my opinion. That's pretty cool.
0: I'm okay with (laughs) it.
1: I love, I really wish Mm. that I could get a picture of your face and share it with people when you were like,
0: I was not prepared for this. (laughs) Just, oh, I've been slapped with a fish. Hey, I've won music two years in a row. I'm happy with that. Fine. Well, last... mm. I I beat beat you last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last year, hands down. Mm. Okay, and of course, we can't... Talk about music and not talk about uh, album covers. So album artwork, maybe, maybe, perhaps equally as important as the music <laughs> for some things. But yeah, um, I got the album covers pulled up for When Dream and Day Unite and Cosmic Thing. And we're going to decide which one is better. So I'm going to pass it over to you. Here is the album cover for When Dream and Day Unite by Dream Theater. Can you describe what you see?
1: Am I seeing Pappuccino? I don't know who that is. I don't want it to be old man Chino.
0: That, that is Dimitriou. not... I don't think Why that do we is... Why do I keep saying
1: his name wrong? That is not... Papanichi. Papa
0: <laughs> so What do you see?
1: I see a young man with his arms above his head looking to the side in fear. He's shirtless. As, yes, he is also shirtless as a very hot iron is coming to uh, brand, him. brand him with the Dream
0: Theater logo. It sure is. So... This album is, ter- like, the, the artwork is terrible. Just terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, a few notes about it. Um, it was created by photographer Amy Quip. Oh, Apparently, this cover is based on a, an already existing photo she had made. Or, or, or photographed, like, of, you know, this young model mm-hmm. being branded with an A. I, I don't know if it was like a scarlet letter thing. Oh, okay. Well, that's
1: I, interesting. I don't
0: know. I don't know the implications. But basically, they, like... Again, I don't know the gritty details, but, you know, they were introduced to this photographer. They saw this photo and they said, hey, let's adapt that photo for our album cover. So let's get this guy to stand with his arms up and he's shirtless and we'll brand him with our logo instead of with an A. The logo is called the Majesty symbol. Oh, I wonder why. Because their name used to be Majesty. Um, (laughs) You know, it's kind of like a it it, it looks like an M and it's based on the uh, Mary Queen of Scots Uh. emblem.
1: I was like just looking at it. And I was like I thought for a second it was like the letters dream like of Dream Theater piled up. So top here's of each the other. secret.
0: People have, like always ask, like, what's you know, it looks like many letters kinda of jumbled up, but the M is the most prominent, right? Mm-hmm. With this symbol. Um, I watched a, a, an interview with Mike Portnoy from way back when and he said, No, no, there's no secret to it. You know, it's just a cool looking M logo that, you know, Dominici put together, Papanici. Mm-hmm. Here's the secret. Dominici did developed this logo for the band mm-hmm. he hid the the all of the letters to his own name in it oh. it's dominici and he didn't tell anybody
1: that's hilarious so
0: even though papanici is no longer in dream theater he his, will always
1: be in his dream spirit theater. lives
0: on through their logo i'm like doing it now <laughs> yeah. so that's like the only noteworthy thing about this logo but it's ugly it's it's it doesn't tell you anything about this music that's fair yeah I, i'm like Bad decision, in my opinion. Eh.
1: Yeah, of the logo or no, just the, the, the album okay, cover you, in you general. You said terrible logo. Oh, so not- no,
0: great logo, <laughs> terrible album cover. Sorry.
1: I was just like, oh, just make sure that that was like, wait, but I'm, my bad because the logo is still here. Yeah,
0: logo is cool, album cover not so much.
1: Mm. Oh, the,
0: the uh, on the like the 15th anniversary uh, uh reunite mm-hmm. bootleg that they made, they took this logo and just like put a party hat on the guy. And instead of being branded, he's been giving a ke- he's being given a cake <laughs> for his fifteenth <15th> birthday. <laughs> That's so cute. Uh, well, let's talk about cosmic thing. You just swipe over. I did. Okay, so cosmic thing. What do you see?
1: I see a very colorful square in another very colorful square. It's like a rainbow um, gradient. Gradient uh, flipped upside down. So a rainbow gradient under it, and then a picture of the band in a radio gradient in the opposite direction. Yes. Look it up. If that's not good. And then it's uh, all the band standing with different uh, on one on guitar, one on a drum, one with a mic, two with a mic. (laughs) Uh And uh, yeah, they're just standing. It it looks like uh, almost there's like a backdrop in the back. Like they were just like taking a glamour shot or something or like performing on uh, like middle school cafeteria stage in
0: fact they might be performing in the love shack
1: (laughs) ah they might be performing in the love shack a literal place where we can jam together yeah (laughs) you'd say jam (laughs) Uh, a literal place where it's a jam together and then in the bottom right corner is a cosmic thing written in some fun font with swirly bops and
0: 90s swirly bops
1: 90s swirly bops and an unknown pokemon dotting an eye and with uh like what are those called arrows yeah. going around circular and in the middle it says the b52s it's
0: just it's very vibrant neon late 80s early 90s yeah i think it's a great it's a great cover yeah great cover much better if we're if we're gonna <laughs> yeah. if we're
1: gonna ask the next question who has the best cover that would be a cosmic thing
0: b fifty twos one yes yeah, absolutely so Dream Theater, get your stuff together. What's wrong with you? You will, in your sophomore album. You, you, sort of. <laughs> we'll see. We'll will see. we see? Yeah, we'll see. Hey. Hey, spoilers. So that's it. That's music of 1989. What else you got? Well, we can talk runner-up. Let's do it. So as we already
1: discussed, my only runner-up for this year is Young MC Stone, Cold Ryman.
0: Stone Cold Ryman Stone by Young Cold MC.
1: Stone <laughs> Yeah, yes. It's that. the one
0: with Bust a Move on it. That's bust, all you need to know.
1: Bust a cold. Achoo.
0: <laughs> Stone cold.
1: Uh, okay, and for you, we have Faith No More, The Real Thing.
0: That was the closest runner-up on mm-hmm. Like, Dream Theater being my favorite band. But this is their weakest album. This is their weakest album. It's like, I think, like, Faith No More, I think, it's not their debut album. No, it's not. But it is so good. Mm. That album is excellent. And I would have loved to talk about that, but...
1: Maybe it, we'll do a is, dark up ep- we won't.
0: Yeah, we won't. It, it is what it is. But that album is great, go listen to that one.
1: Yeah. And then your only other runner up was Follow the Blind, Blind
0: Guardian. <laughs> Blind Guardian um is a early power metal band. Like, you know, proto power metal. Like they were like setting the stage. Power metal is all about grandiosity, you know, singing about fantasy, you know, dragons and Oh, yeah. Like, melodic, symphonic oh. sound. Like, we'll
1: definitely see some power metal at some point yes, in we this will. next decade. Uh,
0: but it's it's funny. So I, remember, so I got Follow the Blind because it was, I guess I had like a music card, you know? And I, I used it to download an album. And I just downloaded that one because it was free, mm-hmm. right? And uh turns out that album is actually their most out-of-place album because it's them trying to Follow like rather than be power metal like they were before or will do since they were actually trying to capitalize on the thrash metal scene at the time. So Blind <laughs> Guardians Follow the Blind is Them very much the... a thrash metal album.
1: Then following the blind into thrash metal,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting piece of metal history. Yeah. You don't have to follow up on it, it's fine. Uh, go listen to other songs by Blind Guardian. <laughs> they're they're like if you want to hear about like. The most nerdy metal you can think of, it's that. You know, it's like them talking about knights and dragons and you know, it's it's fun.
1: Okay. Well, that's it for uh, music of eighty nine. Yep. And that's it for mu- music of the eighties.
0: It's true. We're done with the eighties and music. Um you know, talking about Faith No More, like I feel like that's like the first album of the nineties. <laughs> like the nineties are happening, guys. Grunge is grunge is gonna happen.
1: We're here to tell you. We can see the future. We are the prophets. Yep. <laughs>
0: And, uh, yeah.
1: Plugs? Yeah. Um, I, if you would like to hear anything by me or see my face, uh, not my husband's face, (laughs) you can visit me on YouTube at Taming Tales YouTube. There I do whatever I want. Currently I am, um, attempting to vlog myself writing a novel amongst other things where I tell stories and- Draw pictures. Draw- no. Bad. (laughs) Don't come for the pictures. They're not good. (laughs) But, um, yeah, that's what, that's, mm -hmm, yep, mm
0: -hmm. Um, If you want more of me, I host a wrestling podcast slash YouTube show called Keep Kayfabe, that's K-A-Y-F-A-B-E. We do a deep dive into our favorite wrestlers, so right now we're looking at the career of Eddie Guerrero, Latino Heat. Um, and then also I write for a video game website called ZeldaDungeon.net. We write about the Legend of Zelda series, so if you're interested in that. You can go there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can follow the show at Media Made Show on Twitter at MediaMadeShow. Uh, we post when new episodes are out and other fun things. <laughs> um, and then you can follow me personally on Twitter at RodTheMaster if you are so inclined. That's all we got. Yeah. So we're going to close the show with the uh, the surprise hit from Cosmic Thing, the, the song that Jess discovered and ended up loving. Dry County. So yeah. with that, we will see you next time where the TV of 1989.
1: Have a good night, kids.